0: My name is Kim Chill, and I get letters about the untold. I won't be holding you all up a lot with what has been happening the past week. Mostly because not much has happened. I can actually have a week that is calm as well. Well, most of my weeks before getting letters from Brennan was actually calm. My life, not much happened. Then boom, a lot. My paranoia has been turned up to hundred though. My mental illness is not having a rest day anymore and I'm pretty sure when I get a new shrink – the wait time in Norway's insane, just FYI – I'm going to be put into a mental ward of a hospital before I have enough time to say, so I get these strange letters given to me by strange creatures and things and they look like this. Oh, do you guys think there's a shrink that is kinda awake? Anyway, why I won't be holding you guys up so much is because I've gotten the letter. And I got it in my mailbox. Yeah, that freaked me out too. More than freaking anything else. I was just checking it because I was waiting for a package and there it was. With my name, post stamp and everything. When I saw, I was waiting for something freaky to happen to me. As I walked up the four staircases to my floor. But no, nothing. Nothing when I opened it up either. It's freaking me out so much I didn't dare to read it after my partner came home. Why did it arrive in a normal way? Isn't that good? My partner asked as they came home. Good. This is not normal. But it is, they pointed out. This is the normal, Kim. Not what you are used to now. They're of course correct. It's just too natural, like. I get shivers just thinking about it. So I ended up reading the letter. And it said. There, Kim, chill. I've been in contact with my lower voodoo friend and told them about your last two things you described. It worried them too. They didn't even know what was visiting you, nor could they found out in a ritual. And that worries me. I do hope when I listen to this podcast it will not be another creature so unnerving. I'm almost well enough that I can start going back to training again now. I am missing the Aikido and Muay Thai training. It feels like my muscles and reflexes are dimming down and I do not like that one bit. It has been a good couple of weeks for me to just relax and heal. And I've needed it. Like truly. I bet you're ready to hear the rest of my chase across the United States and towards a desert. Last letter I had just drove away from the motel as Steve and Patrice had entered the main building and I was creatively cursing as I decided to see how fast on a very deserted road this electric car can go. I can tell you right now, it goes like a bullet. The thrill of those electric horsepowers is addicting. The downside? It eats the battery percentage like it was made out of candy. And I had to stop quicker than I liked. While the car was charging for an hour, I was eating a breakfast in a true American roadside diner. I still had two days on the road, and still my mind hadn't figured out how Steve and Patrice was able to follow me. It should not be possible. I had a new identity for this trip. I had made sure not to go home nor anything with the credit cards. Then my brain finally managed to click as I was eating my second pancake. Liberty Island. Of course. I had used a new identity there and with it I had to check in and I'd done stupid things that made me banned and they had checked my ID and etc. I swear, sometimes my brain can be slow. Everything was going to be a cash from now on. Only problem? Charging my car was done through apps, and apps did not take cash. I need to be ahead of them then. It's the only way, I muttered to myself as I finished breakfast. That meant I needed to drive economically and fast. No, safe. I couldn't run down by the law either. This was a race of skills, and my driving skills are a bare minimum. My palm went to my face as I slapped myself so loud the other two truck drivers in there looked at me with a nervous look. Ouch! Tears forming in my eyes, but I needed it. You are not truly defeated. Not until your mind is. So keep your head up, Brendan. Keep your head up. I spoke, and the truck drivers looked at each other before just shrugging. It wasn't until nighttime, where I decided to sleep was a privilege for those who didn't have a strange cultist on their neck that I couldn't afford as I drove in the nighttime, where I spotted headlights of a car far behind me. Coming truly fast. Shit. The chances of it being them was big, but if it was a police car, I couldn't afford going all fast and furious on their asses. So, as the headlight neared for each and every minute, my heartbeat continued to just rise. I was visibly shaking, trying to keep the steering wheel not to turn too much. The car behind me slowed when nearing and just stayed on my ass, understanding dawning on me. I had to refuel. They could just wait, and they would have me. All this chasing in all these cities and countries, and now all they had to do was wait for my car to go empty. I was going to make sure people would see if they tried to do anything to me at least. We were between Amarillo and Tucumari. I would be able to get there and beyond, but for me now, it was no point. This was coming either way. It was time to talk to Patrice and Steve. If it was them. I had gambled with Masika. Now, it was time to up the stakes. As I got to the superchargers next to the two inns, the car did indeed follow me. But instead of charging, they just casually walked out of their black Mustang. You guys truly know how to look like villains, I said as I put the charger into the car and leaned on the rental. Villains, Steve smiled. To us, you're the villain, Mr. Croft. Still wearing those black suits, as he spoke, he pulled the jacket away and showed me his gun. Are you going to try to kill me, Steve? I asked as I picked up the backpack from the back of the rental. There was no one around us outside. You could see a couple of people or outline in the hotel next to us. No, Mr. Croft, we are not. Though it is a warning. If we must, we will do it. There are ways to extract information from dead people, too. Patrice took off her sunglasses, and I saw again those milky white eyes with no pupils. They haunted me every time I tried to sleep. It just takes some time. That made me shiver even more. I must admit... Chukamari was a beautiful little town at night, and I had not seen a night sky like this in a long time. The moon was half full, but the stars were out in all its splendor. I looked up at them, trying to calm my racing mind, and it was a comfort of sorts. So what happens now? Keeping every part of my mind to make sure my voice was not trembling with the fear that I felt. I come with you guys and information I have get extracted in a painful way. That's more of a Masika style. And she is quite angry at you. She needed to go to the hospital with that burn on her face. Her own fault. She threatened me. I tried to just live. I looked back at the two and they had indeed moved closer to me. Two against one in a hand-to-hand combat is never good for the one. No matter what martial art movies you have seen. It is, and will forever be a pain in your behind, most likely as you will be flanked and there will be a punch or a kick connecting to you. At least, that's what I've learned. It can't be good what you guys are doing. You do know that, right? I have seen the future, and it's going to be an ice world if you get what you want. So why do it? Steve cocked his head. You don't know? No, I have no freaking clue! Everyone who's talked to me tells me about the oaths or freaking curses that make them unable to let me know. That made even Patrice's eyebrow furrow. You jest. No jest. Listen, before going to New York, that trip you guys came to me and asked about, I had no clue at what was happening. Hell, I have no clue when we first met. I lifted up my arms in half defeat. I have been shot at, met God's told what to do, but that's it. I have seen what will happen if you guys do unleash the sun, because at least that's what I know you're trying to unchain the sun. I know it is a metaphor, I think, to make the sun go away. I think he's telling the truth, Steve. Patrice blinked. Mr. Croft, we're trying to save the world. That took me off guard. What? Steve took another step, and I saw an opening. Split-second decision. Stay and maybe find more out, or go with the plan? I decided to go with the plan. Now, I've said that I have Muatai and Aikido background, though I must admit my Aikido is looked upon as non-traditional. I found one who was trying his best to use Aikido in MMA, so I'm still training under a master. Just a bit more aggressive master, I guess. As Steve took the step, he came into my range. Something told me Steve was the one who would be aggressive. But the most dangerous? was Patrice. As my arms were still in the air from my half-defeat, I twisted my upper body down to the right to let my left open palm smack into Steve's right ear as hard as possible, hoping it would disorient him. Half a shout of surprise came from him, as all he was able to half-stagger before I carried the momentum around and my right elbow came crashing into Steve's jaw and I heard a sickening crack as either it dislocated or broke. Aikido mixed with Muay Thai can be scary, as my master taught me. in Payne went down screaming through a possible broken jaw. Don't move, Patrice screamed. In those few seconds, her gun was out and pointed to me. Like I said, two against one. Odds are more deadly. I froze and held up my hands. Steve continued to scream. I will shoot you, Brandon, if you try anything more. Take a step away from Steve. I took two steps. Her eyes followed me, and she slowly walked towards Steve. Two more, Brandon. I guess pleasantries was over. And as I took two more steps, she finally managed to get to Steve. Get up! We gotta go! Steve did try his best, but that smack to his ear was making him not stable as he fell back to one knee. And then suddenly, behind those two, I saw something that made me bewildered. Behind my rental car, two huge front lights were coming very freaking quick towards it. I might have damaged his air stabilator. What? She sounded like me half a minute ago. Inner air has a balance sector, and right now I would take Steve and jump away. I nodded behind her as suddenly she heard a roar of an engine ramping hard. The look on her face as understanding dawned upon the face was that of both surprise and anger. She held her gun still but took a hold of Steve and tried to get out of the way as a big pickup slammed into my still-charging rental. The gun went off as I jumped out of the way as well. The pickup had slowly crept towards us before about 20 meters sped up and crashed. I checked my body quickly. No damage. Before I heard a cry of pain... My head spun around and I saw Patrice with the rental now laying sideways over her left leg. Steve now bleeding from the stomach. Damn it, he was shot. And it did not look good. I hated this. I hated this so much. Tears welled up my face, but I had to move forward. I looked towards the damaged pickup and I saw the same person from the airport. Take the car. I will call an ambulance. Get away now. So it was two against two in the end. Finally, managing to get my half paralyzed eyes moving, I jumped into their car. The key, laying in the middle compartment, was convenient, and I drove as quickly as I dared out towards Arizona. My tears were streaming down my face as I left Steve bleeding. Patrice with a heavy car over her leg. How far would I manage to get before the police was involved? Someone had to hear the gunshot. Damn it. I didn't want Steve to die. Surprisingly, as I drove through the night, now without having to stop to refuel for about 50 minutes at a time, I finally pulled up to where I was going to do this, just as the sun was coming up. The warning of a cut in my mind made me decide to do one thing. Even with all that has happened, my body was tired. It was time to try and sleep. But there was no motels or hotels nearby, and I would need food. I drove to the nearest town, Zuni. And luckily, they have an inn, with an available room. It took some while to sleep. I had to check on the local news online. It was about a shooting. Two people was in a hospital. One critical, but stable. The other had gotten to their foot crushed. I breathed out. Steve wasn't dead yet. Nothing about me, though. And the description of the other man was out, and the pickup truck. Huh. Finally, I managed to get a shot eye and I woke when the sun was on its way down. Quickly, I got myself a shower and some food at the inn before moving out again. It was chilly. The moon was coming out and hanging in a clear night sky. Driving towards where I had scouted, I was getting very nervous suddenly. What would happen when I opened the book? How many cultists were now on my tail? Was there more cultists? Something told me there was, remembering how many there had been in Egypt. And Greece, when I left the gates of Hades, made me wonder why so few had been seen in the States. Driving the car off-road was a bit hard, but I managed to get some of the way before it was time to ditch it. Walking was good. It felt great. It was me and nature and no one else but the night sky, chill air and hard ground. And during my hour hiking, it dawned on me. That right now, I had the power to maybe end or save the world. So why had Patrice and Steve been so convinced they were saving it? There was something wrong here. I was so sure of it. Was this the right thing? Or had I become a pawn to destroy and the Watcher was in the right? Too many unknown things. It was time. I couldn't wait anymore. Finding a high clearing where I could see as far around me, I sat down and finally opened the backpack and took out the huge tome. It was just as beautiful as the last time I truly had looked upon it. The chains wrapped around it were glowing gently and low. You could actually see the very subtle light glow with a regular eye too. The sunrise mixed with sunset colors expanding from the edges was just wonderful. The mossy stone reflected the moonlight and the strange fused language of Arabic and Hebrew letters I saw now was glowing with the white glow of sickly yellow. Here we go. Closing my eyes, the words written on the torch of liberty came to my mind, as easily as if I was looking at it right now, forever burned into my mind. I took a deep breath before I spoke, in a language I had no idea how I could. If you wonder what it was. I can only give a brief idea. The Bible would say John 1 1 would be the closest. Hebrew would be Yahweh. Arabic, Allah. They are correct. Together they made this word. But as they did, it became a third meaning as well consciousness. And through it, imagination. And the change broke like it was made out of twigs. The book flew open and suddenly around me I could sense hundreds, no, thousands, tens of thousands of people appearing around me, all outlines in the dark and white shining eyes with no pupils staring at me. You should not take my father's name in vain, mortal. Above me it shouldn't be, but the sun was in the sky and it was shining more brightly than ever before. Fear struck me, as if I knew this was something that could destroy our world. Closer than I had ever seen it, and it was getting closer even still. Like how you zoom in from space on Google Maps. It was terrifying, and I saw the sun chained up. Chains like the ones wrapped around a book, but massive. Each link larger than our planet. I screamed, a scream I couldn't even hear. And it kept zooming in. It felt like the fires of the sun melted my skin and boiling my eyes away. I was dying, but I couldn't look away. Suddenly, at the center of the sun, a sphere of ice and frost, larger than all the planets put together. And on it, I saw entombed in it monsters, deities and evil. But only one looked directly at me. As the eyes of white, so many eyes of white, moved inside the frozen tomb. No, not tomb. Prison. Let us talk. A place more privately. Brendan." And suddenly I sat in what I would only call paradise. Naked in front of a beautiful creature. They had no genitals and it seems like they shifted between masculine and feminine features. Around us was nothing but wonderful green world with animals and creatures roaming. A sort of peace filled my emotions. That here, nothing could hurt me. There. Better. Hello, Brendan Croft. Nice to finally meet you. My name is Lucifer Morningstar. What is it they say, Kim? To be continued. Until next time. Best regard. Brendan Croft. Brendan, you can't just end the letter like this. Brendan, no 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 no. You send that damn letter to me now. You hear? Waiting a freaking week? Get this letter here now. You understand? Damn it, Brendan. I'm sorry everyone. Really. Go yell at Brendan on social media. Anyway, I will leave you all with this while I am seething. When does imagination Become reality. This has been the 11th episode of Letters About the Untold. Written and read by Kim Chil Yoshta. Music by Nikolai Hagen. The places and people you hear in this podcast might be real, but the description or personality of the places and people might have been altered. This is fiction. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast, and I do hope you enjoy it and hope you will listen to the next episode. If you do, press that subscribe button and follow the podcast on social media. And if you can, it would be nice if you could leave a review. Until next time, beware of the flickering lights.